I hate Joe Biden. Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> it's not even him. It's just the whole f- coterie of things around him. Like him and his doddering self, but then everything that's behind him, that's like, that's not doddering. That's so it's so in your face of like, here's an actual puppet. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't even... And I, I just calling out to a dead woman the other day. <laughs> and the idea that somehow this guy from liberals is seen as the antidote to fascist Trump in any way. Like it's just that just drives me nuts a little bit. I guess. I mean, lesser two evils is what they still say. But it is not. No, 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 no. Yeah, this thing's horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barco, a co-host and socialist and Ellipson, and right to teacher. Jessica, uh, Kenny is missing for this week. I think he is in Mexico, right? Both of you had said that he's gone. I wasn't here last week, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, people can find us on uh, online at what-s-left.webno.com. Uh, you can find that link uh, to our blog in the episode notes. And you can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at De- Zep, D-K-E, and Jess's Twitter handle at jhomey89. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. And uh, everything will have it in the description box or the episode notes. Of, uh, and this is probably going up late, right? Because we were in YouTube jail. It will go up late on YouTube. So if you're seeing this on YouTube, we were we were in jail for a week because of an art an interview we did with uh, Amanda about being anti-vax, why she is, and they're like, ah, oh, you can't do that. Medical misinformation. And so, uh, but we'll be up in Rumble on BitChute. So folks should remember, if you don't see us, always go there. Right. Well, let's get started then for this week's topic. Andy, why don't you share what the topic of this week's episode will be since you were the one who suggested it? Yeah. So um, I had, you know, I'm on the, all of us, I think, are on the Workers and Students for Choice group. And there had been something about Joe Biden's transhumanist order or transhumanist project. And I, I saw that subject heading and I was like, I'm sure that's something like that, but I didn't pay much mind. Um, but uh, when I was on the National Coalition for Health Integrity meeting, one of the people's mentioned, hey, had anybody seen the latest Biden executive order? Um, and I wasn't sure what he was talking about because I didn't blink two and two. And he showed, he basically posted this. It was the, uh, this thing. Um, I'll read the title. The executive order 14,014081, advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation for a sustainable, safe, and secure American bioeconomy. And um, I'll just read the one quote that grabbed me. It's the one that everyone's been hearing. In it, it basically, in the very beginning, it says, we, the United States, need to develop genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells 
and predict predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers. Unlock the power of biological data, including through computing tools and artificial intelligence, and advance the science of scale-up production while reducing the obstacles for com commercialization so that innovative technologies and products can reach markets faster. So in short, basically turn, turn humans into tools, into computers, and then, then of course, turn computers into AI, turn them into humans. And of course, the last part is eliminate any obstacles to the development of these technologies. Um, so that's a shortest summary of like, that's like one paragraph of this monster. There's when I read that paragraph, I heard it in Klaus Schwab's like accent and voice. <laughs> it was so disturbing. <laughs> and I mean, it's just so bald face, you know, to basically say the, the way they want to get in on the human body. Um, but there's, I mean, there's more to say, but that's just the beginning. So I was like, hey, we got to talk about this. Now, this was before the Nordstrom pipeline was blown up by the United States, which is what I believe has happened. Um, uh, but frankly, I think all these things are related. Um, and we may or may not bring, be bringing that up, but I think there's enough to go in here as to what is the U.S., what do we make of this, um, uh, Jessica and Eduardo? So I just figured you guys would, y'all would read it and then see what sort of things really stuck out for you. Because I think every one of us saw that paragraph and we're like, boom, you know, but there's other other things in there as well. And and each of us, I think, has, has kind of gone down our own road of looking more deeply into other areas. So maybe we can bring up today. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was disturbing to read. Uh, I mean, even just the title that you read, like when I read for a sustainable, safe and secure, I was like, those three words, I'm already terrified. Like, I don't ever want to hear that in the context of the American state or, you know, certainly not executive order, right? Which is without even the semblance of, you know, representation or voting or whatever. Um, I guess one thing I'll add just to kind of kick it off. I thought this really just crystallized the... Mm -hmm how should I put it, the seamless segue from COVID into climate agenda stuff. Um, like even uh, the paragraph right before the one that you quoted, Andy, um, although the power of these technologies is most vivid at the moment in the context of human health, right, COVID, uh, biotechnology and biomanufacturing can also be used to achieve our climate and energy goals, improve food security and sustainability, secure our supply chains and grow the economy across all of America. Um, yeah. And there's a lot more to that. And just like the, especially later in it, the heavy uh, emphasis on like biomass and um, climate smart solutions, very interesting way, you know, um, lexicon. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I guess that's my opening comment. Eduardo, you want to jump in? I mean, it's clear if anyone reads it. This is everyone. Andy, we'll put the link of this this whole executive order that is on the White House uh, website uh, in our episode notes. I I think that people 
sometimes have seen us as hooks, sometimes have seen us as mad people, we're conspiracists. I didn't want to be a part of that for a long time when we were studying what's left. You know, when we mention uh, um, anything on the World Economic Forum, people, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> what do you, like, even I talked about that with some friends and begin they, this stuff is beginning to be categorized as the conspiracist theories, and even Biden talks about it in the in his speech. I think he says like we're extreme conspiracists because of QAnon and etc. And Trump is all a part of that, and we don't want to be a part of that, right? And so everybody's trying to seek the truth. Everybody's trying to figure out. Um, everyone's trying to call disinformation and misinformation and tag it, and it's hard to to to. I feel in my life, it's hard to have any rational conversations because most people have been tainted by that and they feel as if they have they they're immediately blocked if they've done such a good job at people um having any reasonable conversations about stuff like this but i invite people i really do invite people if you are uh somewhere on the edge a liberal person uh a recovering liberal person as kenny and i have said if you can just look closely and read the fine print of this document it says clearly here there's nothing that i'm making up there's nothing that i think youtube would be censoring because this is from the, pro the actual document i'll quote it the covid 19 pandemic has demonstrated the vital role of biotechnology and biomanufacturing in developing and producing life-saving diagnostics therapeutics and vaccines that protect americans and the world right and it says I'll just this although the power of these technologies is most vivid at the moment in the context of human health biotechnology and biomanufacturing can also be used to achieve our climate and energy goals improve food security and sustainability doesn't that sound great secure our supply chains and grow the economy across all of america this is not uh like this stuff sounds great right but once we start looking into the weeds what i hope we'll do because it looks like every one of us search something more specific will get down to the nitty-gritty of some specifics right like we did with the sex tech episode we weren't just talking about it in generalized we mentioned concrete specific examples and i hope we will do that in this episode i have a few examples i'll mention such as uh semiconductor microchips and this is the stuff that we're we're starting to see that is being pushed and accelerated forward and i'm i i think that anyone now knows that 2020 was the the year the pivotal year that we that technology rose up in its most widely used form ever in our life which is what we've always discussed which is the fourth industrial revolution right like we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution there's if for people to go from like first second and like we're in the midst of it data te technology everything so i'm not interested in like flat earth theories i'm just talking to people who are like i want people to realize that this is something that we are this i don't know how we can people be blind or or like what are they what like what is it hard to put in your face like the truth about this stuff which is this is this as a result it says there it has demonstrated the vital role of biotechnology like covid-19 was basically the it what we needed the it factor for us to push forward these technologies that's what they're saying that's what the white house is saying this is the president and their and their cronies and their minions and everybody who are saying this they are saying covid-19 we're not saying it they're saying it read it right there covid-19 
has really showed us that we need to push forward biotechnology. We need to push forward biomanufacturing. And I invite everyone who were a part of the Occupy movement at the time when we were against uh, GMOs, genetically modified organisms, and my permaculture people, and all of the hippies, and everybody on the left that were so into organic foods and, and, and no GMOs and all those labels and props, I forget what I was for, that Prop 37, I think it was for California to have labels on, on GMOs. I invite my friends to really, who, have, who are needle-loving people and who are, uh, you know, COVIDians, that I invite them to really look at this because they are the ones who were at, at one point against GMOs. I've had these discussions online and offline where I've said to them, like, wait a minute, I, I thought we were on the same team about this. And suddenly you're the one who is for Moderna, for Pfizer, folks who are into biotech, folks who are into GMOs, folks that have been shown historically in other countries have experimented on African nations. So I don't know where did we go wrong or what people, but they've done, you know, the USA and everybody, all the governments have done a very good job at propaganda to be able to disseminate this information and block people from even having a conversation. Like I feel everyone's brain is so blocked. You can't have any conversation. World economic, uh-oh, conspiracies. Uh, COVID-19 has, uh-oh, wait, hold on. COVID-19 was real. I, mean, I don't know, that's debatable. I'm, but I'm just saying that it's 2020 was a pivotal year. So. Uh, so we'll get into the specifics, as I said, but this is what I, I, this has done for me. So I'm really grateful, Andy, that you decided to have us talk about this because I, I don't know how this, this is just so naked to our eyes. What is their goal? These are the, the, the goals of the USA and basically for the future of our life in artificial intelligence, right? Biotech, everything. I'm, I'm afraid of this stuff. Yeah. I I completely agree with you. Um, and this thing is written to as an executive order written to the US state, and it's still written to, partially to the public. Um, because when they talk about safety, when they when they say terms like, we will not use this in ways that lead to accidental or deliberate harm to people, animals, or the environment. Like we're like we're gonna make sure that when we do this, it's gonna help people, it's gonna help animals, it's gonna help the environment. I think people have to understand that that is a 100% lie. It's the actual opposite. Um, and one of the ways I know that is because they, their whole raison d'etre is, as you said, Eduardo, and, and you alluded to, Jessica, about the COVID, the success of the COVID-19 vaccines as, the, as showing what is possible. Those vaccines, if medically, those vaccines have been an utter failure. They didn't stop transmission. They don't stop infection. They do, like, it's, it's debatable whether it even did anything on symptoms. And they've had all sorts of adverse effects. I mean, if you just took it at its face in terms of having even a statement of a health thing, those vaccines, these mRNA products are complete and utter health failure. The, the success of the vaccine in their language has to be the way they got everyone to buy in on it the way they got everyone to essentially defend it, the way they got everyone to essentially bow down to it and praise it and take all their boosters, despite the fact that they're getting sick, um, and their ability to basically push everyone around on the globe and in, the, in this country, shove people out of jobs. That is, when they talk about success, that's what they mean. We were able to reorganize life in this country around these vaccines and and, and, and to an end and, and push it, uh, you know, to an end that we wanted. 
Uh, now, and, and Eduardo, you're exactly right to say that they're even almost acknowledging that they're using the COVID pandemic as an excuse. And I'm going to cite a document later from 2019 that they were, they've been planning this thing for a long time, all these things that they're saying, but I'm just going to show a document from 2019 from the Department of Defense. Um, the thing I want to point to in this, in this document that was interesting to me in addition, because each section is awful, um, I'm going to read from section four, which was called Data for the Bioeconomy. And while I read this, I want you to think about, if you had ever had a question as to why millions, possibly billions of people had to have swabs shoved up their nose, this is the reason. Like, this is why all that was happening. So data for bioeconomy. A, in order to facilitate development of the United States bioeconomy, my administration shall, shall establish a data for the bioeconomy initiative called the data initiative that will ensure that high quality, wide, range, wide ranging, easily accessible and secure biological data sets can drive breakthroughs for the United States bioeconomy. This thing will identify the data types and sources to include genomic and multiomic information that are most critical to drive advances in health, climate, energy, food, agriculture, biomanufacturing, as well as other bioeconomy related R&D, along with any data gaps. Set forth a plan to fill any data gaps and make new and existing public data findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable in ways that are equitable, standardized, secure, and transparent, and that are integrated with platforms that enable the use of advanced computing tools. They're basically admitting we're going to we're, we're going to all these different labs because this is a this document is a public private partnership venture, which is saying the U.S. is going to use all the all the, the figures from Operation Warp Speed to now work with all the people who have been collecting all that genomic data, make sure it's accessible to every when we say to everyone to everyone who plans on developing AI that's going to use that for understanding trends in, in, in human genome and for using it in all these different ways that they plan on using it for US economy, US power. Um, it's, I don't think you could see a more naked expression of that whole nose swab. It was just so we could collect your data. Yeah, I didn't do a control find search on the number of times data is mentioned in this, but it it's a lot. Um, and I think just on the health thing, you know, that, like you said, it's so naked. Like it doesn't say we're going to be doing all this to improve health outcomes. It says like we're assessing how we can use biotechnology and biomanufacturing to achieve medical breakthroughs, reduce the burden of disease and improve health outcomes. So it's not actually about improving health. It's like, no, how can we use these technologies to you know, on the surface. Um, and say, I mean, it's actually unbelievable how many aspects, uh, you know, of the whole fourth industrial revolution are, are folded into this, like what, 10, 12 page document. Um, I mean, even just like breezing through it, it's like, you've got, you know, anticipating threats and risks, right? Like pre-crime is part of that. Um, marginalizing people like us, right? Dissenting views, anti-vaxxers, all of that. You've got constant um, reference to public-private partnerships. Um, you've got uh, 
the agricultural aspect of this, which I think we'll probably get into, but, you know, increasing and protecting agricultural yields, that's like Eduardo was referencing, that's monocropping, that's GMOs, that's monopolizing the market, pushing small farmers out, um, you know, protecting against plant and animal pests, that's pesticides and herbicides, um, cultivating alternative food sources, right? Synthetic ones. Um, and this is all, you know, supposedly to address quote unquote societal goals, which again, first of all, it's an executive order, right? And it's like, when did we ever agree, even in the mainstream, like, when did we ever agree? When did we ever even have this conversation that sequestering carbon is the solution to ecological crisis, right? Or that like harvesting everybody's genomic data is A, like even remotely okay, and B, is is actually helpful for any of the problems that we're trying to solve. Um, it's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. And it goes on and on, you know, and, um, you know, it, even just from a capitalist perspective, right? Like it's all reducing hurdles to commercialization, right? Buy more shit, money, um, <laughs> keep the capital flowing, create markets. Um, none of it's about improving health or helping the environment. Um, you know, and then another thing I was kind of tracking as I was reading through it is the, the repeated mentions of incentivizing, uh, in, in different contexts. Right. And when I read that, like, I think about the ways that people have been incentivized, um, over the past few years to do things like take a vaccine, right. Or incentivizing, uh, companies, whether it's like on the corporate level or, um, coming down from like state, you know, governors, executive orders and health mandates, right. Like it's such a good example of like <laughs> what they mean by incentivizes is, is coerce. Um, yeah. And just structurally box out like any, any real alternatives. Well, I, I was just, I was in agreement with Jess, you know, it's, well, I just wanted to add to the sequestering carbon part. There is a way to sequester carbon. It's using trees. <laughs> just yeah, like, not cutting them down and burning them right. for biomass and then cutting right. green. Exactly. And live oak is one of the most, it's, it's a tree that's most efficient at trying, at, at sequestering carbon over its, the tree's lifetime. So there are ways to sequester carbon. They're just not going to be looked at because it's not going to accelerate all this biotech. Uh, anyhow, but I'm in agreement with just that this, if you listen to the language, it's the language that Democrats use in liberals. It's, it's all about sustainability. It's about, I was looking at the, and I can share the link to this, the, the White House summit, which was on the 14th of September on this, on, on just on this, on this uh, executive order, which was on biotechnology and biomanufacturing. And the woman who, I feel like Alison McDowell, when it comes to this, so this woman who's on at this, at this, at this panel at the summit, uh, I looked her up and I, as I was saying, I felt a little bit like Alison McDowell going into the people and where they studied and then where they, who were they paid by and what their background is and all of that. <laughs> 
I'm trying to practice that for when I participate in the group of the, of, of the working group that she's a part of, which is a little intimidating for me. But here I go. And I, Dr. Alondra Nelson uh, was at this summit. And she's a policymaker, a writer, an academic, and she's very pro-identity politics and all about uh, looking into reparations and race and reconciliation. She wrote this book on, um, on the social life of DNA. And so she is very much on board of all this biotech. And she's been visiting even like states like Idaho and talking with the mayor of Boise. And she just tweeted about her recent conversation on like the, the uh, on the, the legislation, which was um, on the legislation, the act, the Chips and Science Act of 2022. And so she was, she was discussing this and she is very much, uh, 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 pushing this agenda on biotech. And here's a woman that's being used, black woman, I should say, because it's very important for Democrats. This is important for them. Uh, pushing this, these incentives to produce semiconductors and the biotechnology of all of this as, as it's making it attractive, appealing for people because it's in the name of uh, racial, um, race equality, inequities, sustainability, the environment, environmental racism. And this is just trying to flavor it in a way that is attractive for people. That's what I got from that summit, how important that was to discuss it in that context, because that's what everybody's discussing. And I don't know if both of, I think we said it, right? I think that climate change is being used now. That's the next thing, right? It's beyond just the virus and pandemics and all of that. It's now the crisis of the environment that is that I have long been, you know, that's one of my beloved issues before. And I don't, I'm still, you know, obviously um, want us to take care of our environment, but I've seen now how climate change is now being weaponized to uh, like in 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 uh, in Nepal to keep people indoors, separate people, and I think it's Nepal, one of those in 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 Asia, uh, South Asian countries, and it's now being used here in the USA to promote the idea that we need these biotechnologies for people who like the climate the climate activists that I think are going to be fooled by this, unfortunately, and so I'm I guess for me it's just seeing how people of color are being used for this, how this is being used in the name of, of racial equality. And that's that's what I got from that summit, how important that was before they began to discuss the details, right? I don't know, Andy, if you want to discuss, I have some examples, but I'll let someone else go. I, if we can discuss maybe some of the, the, the specifics of some of these things. But I just wanted to mention that first because I, I want people to realize how we are tricked into 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 moving forward with this and being okay with this because we're all on board suppose, supposedly at least here in liberal SF we're all on board all of all of that right of course that sounds attractive <clears throat> yeah I want to stay with what you're saying about how they're using the the cover of liberal progressivism and anti of a kind of anti racism mm -hmm. of an include an inclusivity that language is is definitely in here um, and I, I want to quote it and I, I want to I've hated identity. I mean, identity politics. I've seen as such so poisonous, and this makes it seem for me even worse. Um, so here's what they say in regards to education, because they bring it up as like we're going to educate a whole new workforce and prepare them for this new economy, a bioeconomy, 
Um, also, I want to say what I think, really, I think they want to turn people into microchips, ultimately. That's going to be the thing, because, and I want to speak to why I think they're going to be doing it both to workers, because there's evidence that they're going to be doing it to their soldiers. Um, and, um, but this is, they, they say the, the plan will also include focused discussion of historically black colleges and universities, tribal colleges and tribal colleges and universities and minority serving institutions and the extent to which agencies can use existing statutory authorities to promote racial and gender equity and support underserved communities. So here's how I see this. I, the US, the executive order knows, knows that they're writing this to, to black Latino women elites and, and to a layer of a almost middle-class academic elite. And this elite knows that everyone's fucked. They know the world is going down in flames, at least for the poorest and for the poorest black communities, for the poorest white communities, they know those people are being put, herded into a prison. But what this kind of document is saying is, for a few of what of you educated black people, educated women, for a few of you educated Native Americans, we have a little safe haven here to put you on our boat while we fuck everyone below you. And people are signing up for it because they know this does not include everyone. I know for a fact, they must know it. They know this is not a language of equity. They've seen how the, not just the, 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 the financial inequality that's grown through this period, but all sorts of inequalities have grown through, through this period and they know it. So I look at this as basically the executive order saying, you, okay, you few elite black people, you know we're fucking your entire race, but here's a place for you. We have a place for you to be safe. As long as you're from a historical black college or a university tri of tribal colleges, as long as you've been vetted through that process, we, you may find yourself in a safe harbor with us while we screw the rest of your brothers and sisters. That to me is disgusting. Um, and I also wanna say that what Jessica said about capitalism being capitalism, yes, and this is even worse. Um, in section eight, biotechnology, regulation, clarity, and efficiency, advances in biotechnology are rapidly altering the product landscape. The complexity of the current regulatory system for biotechnology products can be confusing and create challenges for businesses to navigate. To improve the clarity, uh, and efficiency of the regulatory process for the biotech products and to enable products and further societal goals identified. Basically, they go on to say, how can we remove restrictions and make it easier for people to bring this stuff to, to market? And they even mention we want to, and in that discussion, we want to include engaging with developers and external stakeholders. They don't mean us. They mean, they mean big business. And so they're basically saying, we have all these unproven technologies that we must use, and I want to say why I think they must use them. Um, and we have to develop them, and I think there's a reason they have to develop them. And I don't personally, I don't think it's just transhumanism, although I think transhumanism is a feature of it, but not because it's transhumanist, but it's because workers must be turned into tools and ultimately replaced completely by tools. And that is a dynamic that capitalism has built within it. Um, so I do believe that the same process that has led to the destruction of the Nordstrom pipeline and the war in Ukraine has led to this document because I can go back to 2018 and say they put, they put in the national defense strategy document when they were talking about Russia and China being the big enemies, competition with them in big data analytics, competition with them, with them about development of AI and competition with them about biotechnology. 
Um, and that's what I think is, is really pushing this sort of aggressive agenda. Um, and so when they have to eliminate all uh, regulation from these companies, they're basically saying, we got to get all the red tape out of the way so we can fucking do anything we want. If you want to turn mosquitoes into things that can inject vaccines into people, which they are developing and working on that, they're going to do it. If you want to, they, they say, they're saying it's going to be a bad flu season. They're now developing quadrivalent, quadrivalent flu vaccines, mRNA 1010, which basically has four different things like that it, that it recognizes, but all mRNA based. They're going to do that. That's just in the vaccine section. But they want to eliminate any restriction on developing any of these things, which are going to make which are going to make GMOs out of our food, make GMOs out of us. And like I say later, I want to talk more about what sort of crazy ideas, not crazy, disgusting ideas they have for how they plan on utilizing these technologies uh, for humans. Um, just on the stakeholders, I mean, they give you like a really concise <laughs> list of who they're consulting. Um, those in industry, as Andy mentioned, Great. Um, academia. Great. Non-governmental organizations, right? The whole nonprofit industrial complex is what that's referring to. Communities. Filler, meaningless word. Uh, labor unions. That's worked out great the past couple of years, right? And then state, local, tribal, and territorial governments, which in some sense, yeah, I agree with you, Andy. Like that's the sort of few elites that get to be temporarily on the lifeboat while the rest of those communities gets absolutely fucked. It's also, you know, the co-opted youth in those communities who, you know, through no fault of their own really, right. Like have been largely captured, like both economically uh, and in terms of ideology. Um, meanwhile, like the, the elders and, the people in those communities who have a true understanding um, about the history of resistance are are pushed to the sidelines, right? And it's you know another generation, and and they're going to be gone. Um, yeah. So, and then I also just wanted to um, on your where was I going to go um, on the capitalism thing? Um, let's see, where is it? I mean, I was really interested in this section on um, like bio products or bio-based products, right? Is what they, and I did a, a little bit of research there, um, could go a lot deeper, but, you know, so when they, when they say bio-based products, they're talking about, I mean, it has bio in the, in the, in the word. So it sounds like, oh yeah, it's like biology, it's natural, it's, you know, nature the body. Um, it's commercial or industrial products composed partly or wholly of biological products or renewable domestic agricultural or forestry materials, right? So it's basically just a greenwashing term. So it's stuff like adhesives, construction materials, fuel additives, fertilizer, plastics, paint, solvents, right? <laughs> like all of this shit that's largely bad, right? For the environment, for human health. Um, but I was kind of looking into the history of it. And I think this kind of ties into one of the points you were making, um, Rhea, like capitalism and the way that it's, you know, it's not like an organic flow of um, incentives or money or um, priorities, right? Um, so it, like 
part of what this does is like incentivize and mandate um, that all federal agencies, right, um, have to purchase or like increase the number of contracts that they're, um, you know, engaging with in terms of um, anything like bio-based, whether it's like technology, agriculture, um, health, all of it. Um, It's already mandated that these things are purchased, right? Like it's already controlled. Um, I was looking back a little bit at um, the Farm Security and Rural Investment Act, which is 2002, right? This is like two decades ago. Um, And it's all about like green, quote unquote, green purchasing, um, you know, programs, uh, procurement preference programs, right? Like just directing all of this stuff um, so that there's no alternative, right? And then this is just kind of upping the ante um yeah to, to to the infinite degree okay last point um that I'll just touch on and then Eduardo you should jump in but um with the diversity stuff and the workforce that you brought up Andy like I mean I agree about the kind of elite thing like here's a couple of you know shiny black and brown and f- female or whatever faces for you know, that we can slap on the cover of the textbook, so to speak. Um, but I think also like, uh, what section is this in? Uh, section six, I think. Um, when they're talking about the workforce and expanding training and edu- education opportunities for all Americans in biotechnology and biomanufacturing, like to me, this is like the equivalent of, you know, what we've talked about in education of like the teacher's literally like laying the bricks of the prison, right? Like they're going to have the youth, including a lot of diverse youth, you know, code, right? Like there's all this um, pressure, right? To like increase STEM funding. Oh, we got to get female coders. We got to get black coders. Um, You know, this plan, it says, shall promote the implementation of formal and informal education and training. Um, career and technical education and expanded career pathways, um, you know, and it's, I mean, all the infrastructure is already there in K through 12 in higher education. Um, and it's also, you know, I mean, almost every single higher education institution now has a diversity and equity um, department or program. Um, so it's all, it's all already there. Right. Um, and so it's just another like way of harvesting that, labor until they don't even need the labor anymore and then you know then you're then you're really fucked this was not so this 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 thing is not in a vacuum um there was something written by the center for the new american security put something out i think it was in, in the last year basically saying that in the area of the bio of the bioeconomy and biotechnology and biomanufacturing they were writing China already dominates global production of active pharmaceutical ingredients for generic drugs. Western nations continue to lead in biotechnology, but the United States needs to, quote, focus on improving access uh, access to equipment at the core of the biorevolution, computing and data sources used in genomics, and hard infrastructure used in DNA synthesis and fermentation. They go on to say, the United States is at a relative disadvantage in the field of biotechnology compared to adversaries like China, risking ceding American leadership over one of the most powerful and transformative fields of technology 
in recent memory. Um, and now, of course, they speak of it also as powerful in terms of running the economy. But I want to talk about something that that is that I've mentioned before. But what I'm going to show here is what their plan is for the U.S. military. But this is not, in my opinion, whatever they have in plan for the U.S. military is also their plan for the U.S. workforce. Um, and this is in 2019. And I'm going to show you this document that connects up with something because I found this through the stuff I found from the Center, the Center for New American Security. Um, let's see. Da, 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 share screen. Okay. So the title of it is Cyborg Soldier 2050, Human Machine Fusion and the Implications for the Future of the Department of Defense. Um, here are some of the U.S. Army, Chemical Biological Center, you know, government stuff. Um, kind of connected to DOD, Defense, Department of Defense. You can notice the date, October 2019. All right. And so here are the, I'll just go quickly to some of the scenarios that they have for what, what they're trying to develop. Um, and they're actually talk about its use. Um, so right here, let's see. Basically, the framework for the use of all this is they talk about the direct neural enhancement of the human brain for remote two-way data transfer. And that's so that's the overview of the various four scenarios you're going to see for how they plan on implementing this biotechnology in the military. And if they're using this in the military, they're going to use it on the workforce. So here's number one. Number one is case study number one, ocular enhancement for image sight, imaging and sight and situation awareness. In this scenario, individual vision is enhanced to enable sensory perception beyond the normal visible spectrum. Enhanced individuals would also have the ability to analyze images from various wavelengths to discriminate targets and allow identification in complex and cluttered environments. Computational capabilities, which would allow for target identification, selection and data sharing with other individuals or military systems are envisioned. So remember what they're talking about here is human data collection, which is connected to a computational brain as well, and all those systems working back and forth. That's the plan. It's AI connected to your brain and what you see for situational tactical awareness so they can figure out who to hit and when to hit them kind of thing. That's number one. Number two, case study number two, restoration and program muscular control through an optogenetic bodysuit sensor web. In this scenario, Muscle control is enhanced through a network of, an, of emplaced subcutaneous sensors that deliver optogenetic stimulation through programmed light pulses. The enhancement is best described as an implanted digital sensing and simulation system that is coupled with external sensors, boosts, boots, inserts, and wearables, which are linked to central compu computational controller. And again, if you're getting tired and if you're finding yourself you know, fatigued, you're connected to a computer that can find ways of sending you signals to get, get your body more in motion. That's case study two. Case study three, there's four of them. Auditory enhancement for communication and protection. In this scenario, enhancement of audio, auditory capabilities would occur through direct replacement or modification of the middle ear bone and, and cochlea. Enhancement would afford individuals greater dynamic range of hearing, which would protect or filter overexposure and increase sensitivities to low amplitude sounds. They also are saying, like, you're getting shelled all around you, you can't hear right, we can help you during that process and you can still fight the war while you're in, you know, getting hit by um, IEDs and stuff like that. Number four, direct neural enhancement of the human brain. In this scenario, neural implants for brain-computer interfacing would allow for seamless interactions between individuals and secondary assets called machines. I mean, I don't know how you could be any more clear. And so this is 2019. 
and they get COVID to allow them to collect all these genomics. They get all of us to agree to inject ourselves with mRNA bullshit. It could not be more clear that this is the plan, not for just soldiers, but this is the plan for those motherfuckers on the, on the tribal colleges who basically don't go into the boat. Well, this is what's going to happen to your brothers and sisters. They're going to get wearables. They're going to get the neural implant. And that's if they have a, that's to get a job. Because if you if you want a job, you're going to have to get the implant. If you don't want a job, fuck you, get out of here. We, we have a place for you somewhere else. And that's the future. And it's disgusting, but it's right here. It was in 2019 that they were planning this. Now they're right here and they're on the doorstep of it. That was Cyborg 2050. I think 2050 is well later than what they plan to do. But this is an act of war. Of course, it's an act of war against China and Russia, but it's an act of war on workers. And that's how we have to see this. Yeah, I wrote it in the margins of the of the workforce, like training thing, conscript the youth, conscript the working class, because that's what it is. It's military technology. I mean, this whole thing, it's DOD, every other paragraph, right? I mean, it's all of the government agencies. Um, but yeah, it's horrifying. And it's transhumanist as fuck. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so plain to see. I guess what you've just shared is just so scary, but I want to show a video now. But this whole plan, right, this, I was reading an article in uh, NPR. This was to boost semiconductor chips manufacturing, as well as, um, like, chips to implement into people's bodies as well. But this is, so I'm going to read just a little bit and, of this. Eduardo, just before you go on, I want to be clear, because this hasn't been mentioned before, but this executive order is a subset of directives that come from chip manufacturing, actually. So this, your, when you go to chips, it's not just a segue. Actually, this executive order is seen as lower on the totem pole than a higher order for we have to get chip manufacturing underground, uh, you know, right away, because Taiwan's going to go down. So chip manufacturing is directly related to the thing you're talking, like to what we're talking about, because it's not biotech going to chips. It's like, we got to get chips. So now we got to get the biotech to do it. I was, I was going there. I appreciate you saying that because this is, because the largest manufacturer of chips, by the way, is in Asia. It's, it's, it's in Asia. And yes. So this is going to be, if, if, if this comes to like, all of this Taiwan stuff is related because if there is a war between China and the USA, the USA is going to be screwed as it comes to manufacturing these chips because they're the ones who are producing all of this. And so they're trying to uh, race to get there before this the, the, the it's shut down and you don't have access to these chips. And everything is included, right? Like every high-tech gadget that we use currently from this computer, from our phones, to everything is being used. So there, so this is that's why there is like fifty billion dollars being allocated to the semiconductor chip manufacturing in the USA from its current production hub in the East Asia. Now, so there, I'm. I want to share how chips are important. Of course, I'm going to get into like what you talked about cyborg stuff, but in a bit I will get there. Just, uh, just before I get there, though, like what this article that I'm reading from NPR is. Well, on what would happen if the USA lost its access to semiconductor chips in Portugal? Life would come to a standstill if we don't have the chips, which is like oil. This article is from NPR. It is 
the restaurants that runs our electronics and effectively that runs our life in many ways. A car has a hundred of chips in it and we're not talking about the most sophisticated cars. We're not even talking about electric cars. We're talking about your average car, which is now very high tech these days. Television sets, phones, games, everything. And if we don't have this CHIPS Act, which is also related to this, we have a potential to slow, like um, it goes far enough to prevent the potential slowdown. So there's, so there's a lot of investment in all of this. I'm not going to go into the whole thing of this. Article. I can just share the link to it. But I want to share this video first of how semiconductors are the brains of modern electronics. And then I'll go into this other sidebar stuff. And uh, semiconductors are essential components of electronic devices, enabling advanced communications, computing, healthcare, military systems, transportations, and clean energy. Hint, hint for people who want to, and countless other applications. So let, let's just look at this. Oh, I should mention, this is uh, SEIA, SEIA, which sounds like this, SEIA. Um, so they are, this is the Semiconductor Industry Association. So this is Industry Association. One tiny technology drives the biggest breakthroughs. Semiconductors are changing the way we transcend distance and travel distances. They help ensure our well-being and our way of being. From farms to factories to front lines, semiconductors are poised to help us be smarter, more resourceful, and faster than ever before. Decades of innovation have made the semiconductor industry among America's most important, propelling semiconductors to become a top U.S. export. American semiconductor companies account for nearly half of global sales, and nearly two million American jobs depend on the semiconductor industry. Its value to our economic growth, supply chain security, and technology leadership is undeniable. But its future is not guaranteed. SIA is committed to not merely preserving the vitality of the semiconductor industry in the US, but broadening it. We're working in Washington, DC and capitals around the world to promote four key policy priorities. Increasing federal investment in semiconductor research, incentivizing semiconductor manufacturing in the US, expanding access to global markets, and strengthening America's technology workforce. SIA is striving to ensure the future of semiconductor technology is full of opportunity and optimism. <laughs> well, that woman looked very optimistic about it. <laughs> Always like the same, like, weird, like... I don't know, like it starts out with the simulation, it's all techie, and then it's like, let's pen back to the drone shot. Like every video, like no matter what company it's from, it's always the same shit. But, you know, one thing that um, I noticed about that, that I don't know, I guess scares me. Well, there's many things that scare me about that, but it's like when it comes to this stuff, I mean, obviously the liberals are not going to help us. Like, you know, that is, <laughs> that's long gone. That ship has sailed. Um, but so much of this, like, especially that video right there is so the framing, right. Of like, it's like 
bringing American jobs home, economy, like, oh, it like, oh, you can just see how it appeals to the Republican base. And it's like, yeah, okay. Some of the right wingers might've been on our side when it came to like vaccine mandates. But when you pan back and you look at this biotechnology stuff um, from a wider lens, um, it's just, I, I personally don't feel very optimistic watching that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we have so many political weaknesses um, on all fronts. The left, which I think at least got the idea, I thought had gotten the idea that we are against our own country in a war and we're, we, we, we want to remove our country from that war at the very least. And I would, revolutionaries were supposed to understand, no, we want to defeat our government in, in war and turn, turn imperialist war abroad into civil war at home. You know, like at least the revolutionaries were supposed to get that. I don't know if they get that anymore with Ukraine sometimes. Um, but now they've solidarized themselves with the state because now they love vaccines and they love Operation Warp Speed and they love Pfizer and they think technology is the greatest thing since sliced bread and they think this is all being granted. And now as the state is fusing with these companies, well, that's almost like a kind of socialism, you know? Um, and so the left is fucked on it. And to the extent that the right still falls for, this is Chinese communists coming to us. We've got to fight the Chinese. We've got to stop the Chinese. We've, we, have to, we have to engage in the competition to have better jobs here in the United States at the expense of the Chinese. Well then, good luck with that because they're, they're gonna get you to do their bidding too. They're just gonna use a different boogeyman. Um, and there are so many different weaknesses on our side. I still will say that the diversity of views if we are able to communicate openly with each other has the potential to allow us to take the best of all this stuff and build something that I would say might, we could insulate ourselves and no longer be put into the red and blue sections of this country. But I'm not optimistic of that development um, as we see things fracturing around us rather than coming together. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing like how, how much the cultural, you know, like the normative cultural discourse still operates under this assumption that like American leadership is good. Like in any context, in any example ever, you know, and this thing, it's like, you know, in the first paragraph of the order, um, you know, all of this shit benefits all Americans. No, it fucking doesn't. Nope. And the global community and that maintains U.S. technological leadership and economic competitiveness, as if those two things could ever be compatible. That like the health and well-being of the global community, you know, populations in Africa, um, China, wherever, right? Like that that is somehow compatible with U.S. technological and economic leadership and competitiveness. No, <laughs> it's mutually exclusive. I mean, uh, I'm so it's good that we're talking about this because I want people to to look at the links to see who is at that site with the video we saw that includes all of the members of that association, all of uh, the, the the companies that are a part of that group, and uh, and so I'll uh, just more like 
if you people want to zoom in and try to find it the zoom, but if people want to like really do their own research and go into it more, they can see that these are the technologies that uh, people who are advancing this. No? And with this biotech comes as well as the rise in the conversation around which I want to get to as far as you were talking about cyborgs, like the rise of microchipping and the technology around that. And if people still don't believe like COVID was this pivotal year for it, like there was microchipping happening in COVID-19 times for vaccine passports and people don't want to, but it's, there's a, there, the, the, the COVID vaccine passport, there was a, uh, there's this company called Disruptive Sub, Subdermals uh, they tested COVID-19 vaccine passport and in their bioglass coated in, in an FC microchip designed to get implemented under people's human skin, which I want to show another video on that just. And so I want to just quickly show, where is it here? So I'm just trying to give examples, real stuff happening out in the world. This is a company. <laughs> uh, let's look at it. We want to give the world access to a super useful technology that really has the potential to transform healthcare and in particular remote diagnostics in fascinating ways. Disruptive Subdermals is a company specialized in implantable microelectronics. We are particularly focused on tiny injectable chip implants that don't have a battery. The way they work is that you inject them under the skin and then when you want to do a reading with using the sensors of the implant, you just swipe on the outside of your skin with your smartphone. That activates the implant, it does a reading and then the data is transferred to the phone. In this way, we want to enable people to read their vital body parameters at any time and in any setting really. The purpose of this study is to compare temperature measurements via this new subdermally implanted device compared to traditional temperature measurement techniques. In a subdermal implant, you have a much more consistent environment. The, uh, the sensor is in place and it's inside the body. So I have two implants that are temperature sensors that measure my body temperature. I have one in my stomach and one in my right arm. There are very small chip implants, roughly the, the size of a rice grain. It's very easy to read it. You just basically swipe your phone over the chips. The installation was actually fairly simple. Uh, I almost didn't even realize it was, it was put in until it was done. Anyone who's used to tweezing their eyebrows or hitting their small toe on something, that's so much worse. I go into the, uh, the app, I go to read temperature. So I'll just open it up. And there we go. Now it says 33 degrees is the abdomen uh, sensor value. And it's that simple. This should be the way to, to find problems in your body and help you live longer and healthier. I wanted to be part of the study to make sure that we are moving towards a more technical and advanced society. Potential clinical applications with this type of device is home monitoring, for instance. In an outpatient clinic situation, you could use implants to have a much better surveillance of the patient. 
our technology is both cheap and robust as has a very long lifetime, we think it can be valuable for millions and millions of people. We have set the ambitious goal that we'd like to see a billion people implanted by the year 2030. Fuck these people. Have these people ever heard of a thermometer? I mean, Jesus, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I mean, it's disgusting. You know what I've been noticing a lot recently, um, which is probably just, you know, because I'm, I, I wanted to get a watch. I've I haven't worn a watch in probably 15 years. Um, because we all have our phones. Right. Um, but I've been wanting to get one, um, for my yoga classes so that I don't have to constantly be like looking up at the clock. Um, cause I'm obviously keeping time. Um, and I've just kind of been noticing recently, like everybody wears the is it like the fitbit or the yeah. eye watches yep. um everybody everybody really is wearing them um and i mean i don't want to go on too much because i i think a lot of our listeners like are pretty familiar with um the fact that this stuff is is a very slippery slope and it's it's absolutely real and um but i i also think of dogs right we've been microchipping dogs and cats i think too maybe i don't know do they routinely yeah that's probably um which is totally normalized it's you know considered safe and the responsible thing to do like all the shelters do it um and there's i mean i'm not saying that there's nothing to that argument uh i mean my dog's microchipped although i didn't i didn't choose to do that she was already microchipped when i adopted her but um you know, in similar ways to how like they test stuff out on the military, um, and then that's that te those technologies filter into the the general population. There's a lot of parallels too with like the way that we treat animals and the microchipping there. Like it has been, you know, it's sort of a a test run, right? They've tried it on the animals and they've been widely successful. Um, and then you know, there's obviously lots of parallels in terms of other, you know, agriculture and stuff like that, um, just makes me think of, you know, the, the metaphor of like the slaughterhouse, right. And the prison, right. These like invisible, um, prisons, um, and even like, you know, the, the don't be a sheep, right. Like literally, <laughs> literally you think of how the sheep and the cattle in these industrial agriculture facilities, right. Which is like, part of this executive order um a big part of it is agriculture and food supply um yeah it's just it's another mirror for what they are doing to us yeah and in this case um when i i, I look at the cyborg military project as the, the goal and that's what i believe that what we're seeing here with this video is the testing of the implementation of it more generally into the population. And basically it's, it's even more data collection, more continuous data collection. These people continue to think of, of, a, of a phone like, like it's some kind of chalkboard that you're writing something down on instead of basically it's, this is centralizing data at a central point, which is what they're talking about in the, in the, the cyborg document. How do they take individual inputs and centralize them at some place that then gets all that stuff and then processes it, makes decisions, and then goes back and sends that stuff 
back out with directions or course corrections or whatever it tries to do, whatever, whatever it's going to do to like affect your muscles so that you become stronger at that time or get some sort of endorphin hit. Um, this is now what they're testing on a broader population because they do have plans to use it on workers and soldiers. It's weird to like the moral, like the underlying moral association. Like when I know the video is scripted, but I do see this in, especially in like very techy places like San Francisco and Seattle, um, where like when they ask the people, why are you doing this? Their answer is like, um, you know, because it's more technological. I forget exactly how they phrased it, but it's like, hang on there, like back up a step. Like why, why is more technological automatically a good thing? Like there's just like a jump in logic. Um, and I hear that like, you know, development, right? Like that's been a big one for many decades. Like development is good. Um, when in reality, when the U S goes and develops other, you know, national economies, it's the equivalent of just exploiting their people and stealing their natural resources, right? Like 10 out of 10 times. Um, Yeah. And I see that just heavily playing out with the technological lingo. Like, why is it good? (laughs) Like explain it to me. Uh, I just see, I mean, I was still looking, I I, I haven't finished reading everything on the, the, the executive order. I think I'll look at it more. I, I scanned, I picked sections and I saw, well, maybe I want to go into this area. But if this stuff will be accelerated, even by just pushing this, uh, these careers onto black colleges, as I mentioned, in order to help people to do this, because, you know, we're, we care about black people. So they, they're going to, they're going to have people tr- get trained in this and, 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 it's going to be pushed onto these black colleges to profile people (laughs) so that people can be more in the system (laughs) and still create and still enlarge and create this uh, this whole prison industrial complex even further by profiling people so it's kind of ironic that people (laughs) then it's just just to uh imprison us more and make us digital slaves that's what this is all about you know yeah. um i i don't know how people could not see this as any of that this is just more into this orwellian uh, digital dystopia so and it just only convinces me again or reaffirms the notion that any fundamental change of society is going to have to be a dispensing of all this technology that we're talking about that they so look as central micro as the cir- circuit circuitry and microchips any world that requires microchips for all of us to be in is not a world we want to go towards that's a world they want to bring us to so i do really believe that a revolution is going to have to dispense with those things yeah and this is also about war right yeah. this is about with other countries too i mean they said in section 11 Assessing threats to the USA, us to the USA and bioeconomy, and they talk about. I mean, so it's 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 so many things. It's just um, it's covering so many areas. Yeah, it's about our society controlling. It's about war. It's about competition. It's about yeah, and dissemination of information. I thought um, mm. also worth mentioning is a little, just a little teeny little part of it, but um, 
to provide to the general public plain language information regarding the regulatory roles, responsibilities, and processes of each agency, blah, 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 biotechnology. Um, It's like, we have to, I mean, A, it's just so infantilizing and gross, and B, it's just like, just tell me you're going to brainwash us without telling me you're going to brainwash us. Like, ugh. Yeah. And on the Eduardo on the black um colleges thing, just because there's so much climate stuff in this um executive order. So I I've been trying, I don't even know why, but I've been trying to pitch this um op-ed to like academic publications. Um that's like the title's gonna be unpopular opinion, why class, not racial politics, should be the primary framework for uh, effective climate pedagogy and I, I sent it to the, the chronicle of higher education you know just like the main one last week of course like nobody wants to touch it with a 10-foot pole um because did nobody you, wants to what's that did you write this well I haven't written it but I have like an outline and you know you like send like a pitch or whatever okay. and then someone wants to pick it up I mean I talk about this framing all the time in every diversity meeting and you know, on campus at conferences and it's just like, yeah, you know, and I feel like I have more legs to stand on now that I'm here, like teaching, like I have a comparison, like I've had experience now teaching at a massive, you know, like medical industrial hub, you know, university where it's, you know, in a liberal, um, you know, highly populated urban place. And then I've had experience out here with working class, predominantly white, but working class populations. Um, And it's like, they're trying to shove this diversity crap down the throats of a, of Republican, like land based, uh, you know, population uh, and it and it, and then they're like why isn't it working <laughs> everyone's so racist <laughs> and it's like no they're in poverty <laughs> like it's just it's so frustrating but i don't know it's another i think you could if you <clears throat> at this time i'm a little bit just overwhelmed with what's going on at my house but if you i'm sure if you write something like that just I'm sure, especially academic liberals are going to attack you for being white, a white woman writing that, something like that, just that it should be. So if you, if you feel like we could write something and I'd, I'd love to co-write something, if you, if you want to pitch something like that, just let me know and sometime yeah. I'm done with this. I'd love to just <laughs> jump, on, jump on that. Yeah, so let's do it. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's like the people who need to hear that message don't want to hear it. Like that none of the mediums through which you can reach them. Um, I mean, I can, t- I know, like I, I, I'm, I'm an English teacher, so I understand like know your audience. So I can frame it, you know, when I have the opportunity at conferences and stuff, but then nobody actually takes it and runs with it. Right. It's just like, even if they sort of get it, but anyway, well, I have a, Probably another title for that paper of yours probably should be why you should fire me or cancel me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's the simpler title. <laughs> yeah. But I do think it's, that's, that's worth pushing out there, but you know, 
Watch your back. Uh, I don't have anything else to for us to add to this. I think uh, no. it's extensive. There's so many areas, so many angles we can go on this. I, 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 uh, I, I appreciate. appreciate. Oh, I appreciate Joe Biden for his honesty. <laughs> I feel like he had a ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think he read any of this, but the 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 thing that is Biden. This, this this group of coterie of people with uh, some old guy at the head. I want to thank them for their their honesty, and I agree with you, Eduardo. If anybody wants to look and ask, is this shit we're talking about real? Just read this thing, and maybe if you if you read it and you somehow go, oh yeah, cool. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and it is really readable. I mean, it's like ten or so pages. It's not like it's not particularly jargony. Um, I think people like wherever you're coming from, people should read it. Yeah. And I, I do, it's interesting timing too, because like so much going, I mean, there's always so much going on, but it just feels like this was, came out what, uh, September 12th, yeah. the 29th when we're filming this. So it's been about two weeks. And in that two weeks, there's been, you know, crazy hurricanes, uh, major new leadership in Italy, Nord Stream, so much going on. I, I don't know, probably a lot of people might've missed it. Well, I did. I'm glad somebody brought it to my attention. It was good to discuss discuss it with you all. I, I I wish just maybe it's because I was I was a part of it. It just I wish the people who you know, like there was this time with California with Proposition 37 and all of that, like labeling GMOs and I just wish those people would wake up and be on board with this. You know, because I don't know whatever happened to those people. The, those were the people I was hanging out with. And I think of 2010, 2011, uh, that was a time when I was, I was, I think it was my community and SF with permaculture folks that they would be on, they would completely say this is wrong. You know, that we would, that we're messing with nature, that we're going, and I don't, I don't see them speaking out, at least in this area, this time. I think in the same way that 60s radicals became, what is gen, I don't know, what do you call them, baby, baby boomers? Or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in a sense, I think they did wake up and join. Like, I think they woke up with and said, I, I don't want anything to do with fighting this thing. I just want to get on board and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. um, I'll include an article just being a little bit vain here I'll include an article <laughs> where I was in Gilroy protesting Syngenta here in California and I had a group of 15 people a small group that were protesting and I organized it uh, for anyone that is interested where I, 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 was, I was I remember it was so important for us Monsanto, Syngenta all of these big companies uh, and uh, occupy Monsanto, occupy the Democrats, occupy New York. It was, you know, occupy Wall Street. You know, it was, so now where are they? This is genetic engineering is happening, you know? 
our DNAs are being are being now, um, you know, biotechnology is for cloning, biotechnology is for DNA harvesting, biotechnology is for xenotransplanting, right? Animal messing with animals. It's, it's, the biotechnology is going to be in, in 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 food, apples, papaya, everything is being in the process of that that is happening. So I think to me it's just sad that I don't see that community standing up against this. So yeah, it's just some thought that keeps lingering in my mind because I was reading one. So bring back Let's Rachel see. Carson. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Any last thoughts? Um, just let people know that isn't next week going to be the Jessica and Eduardo show. And Kenny. I don't Thanks. think Kenny's going to be there. I, I think Kenny's not going to be there. And I think about it now. Right. Why? We'll be here to hold it down. Yeah. It's exciting. As long as Eduardo doesn't make me read the intro and outro. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you. <laughs> Maybe. You. All right, let's. That's it. <clears throat> that does it for this week's episode. What's left is a weekly political podcast that channel slash channel challenge the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests in the episode notes where you found this episode or on our blog at what s left You can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you've heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And uh, YouTube has censored us in the last video, so you can find any of our information in the episode notes or on the blog uh, uh, to this, uh, wherever you found this episode, wherever you are listening or viewing. And if you give us feedback, uh, about something you've heard or suggest something or would like to give us feedback or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Duarte with Popos, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and writer and teacher Jessica. Can you go be with us next week or in two weeks maybe? I'm not sure. You can find our social media handles at, at Don Eduardo Barca on Instagram and at ZDKE uh, for Kenny and Jess's uh, social media handle at Twitter at jhomie89. Right, that does it, and we'll see you next time. Ciao. So, do you know the um, card card company Love Pop? Mm -mm. So they do all these um, cards that pop up things. Oh, you know. So this one I got for them. It's like birthday party in present present city mm -hmm. and what it is is like 14 different cards that are like a countdown to your birthday oh cool so like an advent calendar we're at day third three now then day two right and each time there's a little story because it's a little party all these little these little characters always the jokester is grape and blueberry are the first guests to arrive on the island by shipping themselves inside a giant gift box. Timmy and Mako can't imagine what's in such a large box until Grape and Blueberry pop out shouting, surprise. Now let's get this party started. So it's got little characters in it and you put together, like she's putting together a whole zoo, you know, of like things. Because it's 14 cards. But the final card is this one.